This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Are you highly sensitive? Do you need to set boundaries and be kinder to yourself? Then get comfy and listen carefully. Joining me today is Freya Mortensen. She is a transformational mindset coach that specializes with empathetic and highly sensitive people. She is incredible at helping us all achieve our goals, set boundaries, and make us feel great about ourselves. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Claudia. So I thought we'd start with the big question, what is an empath? And it is a big question (laughs) because there's a few ways that people can look at this term empath. There's a lot of layers to it. And first side is that spiritual side that some people see as empath as someone who is a psychic, a medium, telepathic. And it's true that we have these clear senses, you know, whether we pick up messages through hearing things or seeing things. Um, And so, being an intuitive empath. That, that is very, you know, something that a lot of people who are psychics, they will embody that. Then there's the other side of empathy, which is where some people have an overage of empathy, right? Um, and some people who are autistic may have this overage of empathy. Some people may have an under um, responsive level of empathy. People who have PTSD, um, ADHD might also experience this overage of empathy because in our brain, we have over-responsive mirror neurons, which is uh, a cell, a neuron that picks up and tunes into what's going on with other people. Dr. Judith Orloff, she wrote a book called The Empath Survival Guide, and she talks about that quite a bit. Um, especially in some articles that she publishes on psychology today. Um, So yeah, so there's that psychic element, the spiritual element, but then there's this sort of toxic element where empaths pick up the emotions of other people as if it's their own. They're like sponges, right? Taking in things that don't belong to them and you can get them in a little bit of trouble sometimes. And that's, I think, the key point here is it can get, Uh, those of us who are highly empathetic into some trouble, but into trouble for themselves, right? Where, you know, we don't know how to set, I'm saying we, because I'm one of those people. um, And I take on everybody else's energies and I feel for people. And I don't consider it a bad thing, but I also realize that I need to start making some changes and I need to understand how I can better my life without letting that other stuff affect me. So how are the ways that being an empath can uh, make us maybe unhealthy, unhappy. Yeah, it gets overwhelming, right? You get overloaded, sensory overload, because you're constantly picking up things in your in your environment. You're much more highly attuned to things than other people would be. Because you can get overstimulated in crowds. You might get overstimulated just hearing a lot of uh, chatter in a restaurant or, you know, a, a tapping sound can really start to aggravate your nervous system. Your nervous system is very sensitive. So it's about taking care of these needs that you have. First of all, having the awareness that this is what's going on, right? The awareness is key. And then setting some boundaries for yourself so that you're making sure uh, that you're not getting your emotions enmeshed in other people's emotions. 
that becomes a, a problem. When, when you don't have boundaries, then other people's problems become your problems. And it's funny that you use that word enmeshment because I noticed that you talk about that and I had never really thought of the word to describe what you were talking about. So what is enmeshment and what happens when you become enmeshed? Yeah, there, there's no distinguishing between me and you, right? It's, it's like you think of two individuals, like our own little solar systems, if you will. Um, and then enmeshment is when you collapse into each other. You're no longer distinguishable as an individual. Enmeshment is codependency. And what is the opposite of being codependent? Some people would say independent. But there's something else in the middle. It's called interdependent. So I still want to connect with other people. That's really important. We need that. We need to connect with people. But we need to not take on all their stuff. So the enmeshment is when you can't distinguish between what's mine and what's yours anymore. Yours is mine and mine is yours. And that's not healthy. No, no, it's not. Because you're taking responsibility for other people's feelings. You're interfering maybe in their journey. Maybe they're having problems in their life that you want to jump in and you want to fix and you want to make them feel better so that if you feel better, then I can feel better. Oh, oh, there we go. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to fulfilling a need in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I have a need for people around me to be okay. And and that's a really good point because we we you know we would all love for everybody to be okay and you know not have those um, have problems or issues or something they need to overcome. But it's actually you're right, interfering with their journey. And then and that's where we need the interdependency, where you can listen to somebody's story, be very unbiased about it, and then set the boundaries around yourself. Is that how it works? Yeah. Learn how to hold space for people. Learn how to just sit there with them in their discomfort. That's a hard thing to do for empathic people. <laughs> they don't like the discomfort. And it's okay. It's okay to sit in that discomfort. I think that's where even personally I go wrong, where I feel like I have to solve everybody's problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a common thing, right? Like if you go to your friend, you're saying, oh my God, I had this happen and this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. You don't want your friend to jump in and say, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you try that? Or, you know, come over here and I'll make you feel better. We just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. We just want to be listened to. We just, oh, we just want to be understood and validated. That's what we need, not the problem solving and fixing. That may not be the correct solutions. Exactly. Because this is what maybe worked for me and what I would do, but it's not necessarily what's going to be helpful for them. Now, when it comes to negative self-talk, this is something mm. that comes up a lot with everybody. And I hear it all the time in my own practice. We're, you know, as humans, we tend to be very hard on ourselves. How do we overcome that negative self-talk? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I just did a free webinar last week on overcoming the inner critic, that negative self-talk and low self-worth. And it's with self-compassion, right? The opposite of negative self-talk is self-compassion. And empathic people are really good at being compassionate towards others, but it's difficult for us to show ourselves that compassion, that forgiveness, that non-judgment. So it's like speaking to yourself as you would a small child, right? 
or your best friend. Speak to yourself in that way. Um, and so this comes down to reparenting. So we've got, we, we have like up to 70,000 thoughts a day. It's, it's ridiculous how many thoughts are spinning around in there. And the majority of them are negative and the majority of them are repetitive. And so we have to be conscious enough. We have to get into that 5% of our conscious brain to catch it and to say, okay, what do I really need? Is that really a kind way for me to be speaking to myself? Is this true? Is this helpful? Is this necessary? What can I do to show myself compassion right now? And that takes practice because it's not our first line of response towards ourselves. We'll get stuck in those negative pathways. We do that really well. But to bring ourselves out of it requires a little bit of extra nudging. Like I said, you know, like you're reparenting yourself. How would I speak to my friend? How would I speak to my little child if they were coming to me with this negative self-talk? Mm -hmm. And what causes it? Is that the impact? I know you talk a lot about the impact of trauma. Trauma. Is it past trauma? Is it, you know, we all imagine that traumas happen when we're really little. I tend to disagree with that, but I could be wrong. So I feel like we're always experiencing some traumas and that they can impact our thoughts and our behaviors. It doesn't have to necessarily be when you were a child and when you don't have recollection of them. It could be, you know, a, an argument with your best friend, or it could be, you know, from when you're in elementary school and you're fighting with your girlfriends or something like that. Is that how trauma works? Yeah, I mean, trauma could be going through a divorce, right? Trauma can be finding out that a partner was being um, unfaithful to you, like th th that happened later on in life. Trauma can be getting laid off from a job and having to start over. Um, but it's it's how you respond to the trauma and who is there to support you, whether or not that trauma ha takes an impact, right? So we're going to experience these things, but do they turn into some sort of debilitating experience as a result? But let's take, for example... Um, a highly sensitive child, an empathic child who is shy and withdrawn and sensitive to their environment and overstimulated by loud sounds and conversations and too much talk and maybe doesn't like to give hugs to people because it feels like it's a little bit too much in their personal space. And their parents don't understand those traits about them and invalidate them and tell them, you're being dramatic you're being rude by not hugging your grandma when she comes over and running away into a corner, you know, and those invalidating experiences when we're children, we don't realize and our parents don't realize it either because they don't understand us. That can lead to these traumatized um, experiences that we go through that later result in sort of a complex PTSD for us. Those, you know, um, like that Taylor Swift song, Death by a Thousand Cuts. You know, it's not one thing that happens to us. It's a series of all these little things that just kind of add up and in invalidating environments. And, and now boundaries. This all kind of ties back to the whole boundaries conversation. Why is it important to set boundaries? And we need, I feel like people need to be almost given permission to understand that setting boundaries is okay. Yes, but likely we were raised in environments that didn't, that weren't okay with us expressing our needs and our wants. Again, these invalidating environments were raised in environments that don't honor boundaries. Nobody knows what boundaries are, but <laughs> establishing healthy boundaries is an important life skill. 
We need this, especially for people who are highly sensitive, because we need to learn how to set these emotional boundaries for ourselves. Because otherwise, people are are violating that within us. Um, so it's like you can care for other people, right? This caring piece about us is the gift. How caring and compassionate we are for others. But we want to learn not to carry their problems as our own. So care, but don't carry. This is a little tagline that I've uh, spoken about a lot in my, in my um, work that I do. And this can feel very uncomfortable to not take over other people's problems because you, you probably have been doing this since you were very young. Maybe if you had siblings or, you know, kind of swooping in and fixing everybody up, you can, might be the therapist of all your friends and you really thrive off of your friend's drama because like, oh yes, I get to fix my friends and I get to, you know, um, but it can cause us anxiety. And that's, that's really the underlying um, problem that a lot of empathic people will experience is, is anxiety and social anxiety and feeling out of alignment with their true self and not being authentic, not saying what they really want to say, not meeting their own needs because they're not speaking up for themselves. You know, so there's that other element of people pleasing and not being able to say no to things. Um, feeling like a doormat and being taken advantage of other people for your kindness, for your caring, compassionate ways that um, we need to start to turn towards ourselves. So I guess the message is we need to start uh, talking to ourselves with more kindness, understanding we cannot fix everybody's problems and that boundaries are okay. When we come back, transformational coaching with Freya. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Frey and I were discussing boundaries and avoiding negative self-talk. We are all trauma sufferers. Now, you've developed programs that can help us heal from these past traumas and help us live our best life. Yeah, you know, I do have one signature coaching program at Free to Be You Coaching. Um, it started as a six-week program, moved to eight. Now I coach people for up to 12 weeks and we work one-on-one. We develop mindset skills uh, using a very specific mindset tool, uh, mindfulness, which is a practice in itself that helps to bring us that self-compassion uh, and reparenting skills through inner child work. There's a lot of psychoeducational tools that are introduced to raise our self-awareness so that we can understand ourselves. It's kind of like putting all the puzzle pieces back together, you know, and finding those pieces of the puzzle that we didn't know existed before. Um, We get to learn about limiting beliefs uh, that have been holding them back. And like I said, this very helpful mindset tool um, that they get to practice with. So it's not necessarily, you know, being an optimist and getting into being a positive thinker. Um, It's more just bringing us to a neutral place where we can accept those negative emotions sometimes and meet those negative emotions with compassion instead of pushing them away. So they're going to learn all about their trauma responses or attachment styles, how to become more secure in relationships, and and intrinsically defining their self-worth 
right? Instead of that pattern of allowing others to define their worth. And I think that's a really important point. And I love that phrase, your self-worth, because we are we each have immense worth and we each contribute immensely to society, to our families, to our friends. And I feel like sometimes that's where the problem lies, that we're not accepting or approving of how amazing we are. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so your programs, I'm sure, are going to help individuals understand that about themselves. Yeah. Because for, for people pleasers and, and highly sensitive people, we're often seeking that worth outside of ourselves, allowing other people to define who we are. So we want to bring that back home. Now, before we talk more about your programs, there's one thing that you've talked about, and it's cycle breakers. <laughs> yes. So what is a cycle breaker? And should we all be cycle breakers? Well, some of us need to be, right? Is there a need to start to break the cycle of generational trauma and intergenerational trauma? For certain cultures, it's very important to be able to do that. Indigenous cultures, racially um, diverse cultures, uh, it's a big undertaking, right? Um, some of us were born into these unhealthy cycles of codependency, these emotionally invalidating environments that I talked about. And so we want to break out of those perpetuating cycles of putting other people's needs before our own, you know, really challenging those old belief systems of selfishness. What's selfish? <laughs> what do we get to do? Yeah. And so if, it, if you're talking about breaking the cycle of you know, let's say generational. So for example, if like I'm the product of immigrant parents, I'm going to give you an example. So, you know, my parents moved to this country. Uh, they came here at a time of lack. So that lack mentality followed them for a number of years. Uh, although my parents worked really hard and had success, it was that lack mentality that I was kind of raised with. So I had to rearrange my own thoughts and realize that I don't have to live like that and believe that there will be lack. I have to believe that there will always be abundance. And is that what you're talking about? Because it, it comes down to our belief systems. And what are those belief systems that have been holding us back and, and a scarcity mindset? Um, could be one of those things and how to embrace the opposite of, of embodying a growth mindset. And so when it comes to enrolling one of your pro now you also offer lots of free programs, but you also are like free webinars. Um, but you have programs. So who is the best candidate? Let's say a client comes to you and says, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, my, um, you know, wealth mindset, or I'm struggling with, you know, my, my worth. Do you have various programs that are defined for that? Or is your program for everyone to kind of remove those traumas? Yeah. It, I mean, you know, I, I do want to just specialize with a certain group of people. So the people that do come to me are those who identify with the content that I release about highly sensitive people um, and empathic people. So a lot of the times people who are coming to me, they're struggling in all aspects of their life. Because they're unable to set healthy boundaries, they've been in unhealthy relationships, and that's really depleted them and destroyed them, and they want something better. So, I mean, first of all, they need to be coachable, right? If they're coming in with these problems, they need to be open to hearing feedback, right? That's, that's a key component of coaching, is getting that feedback, being held accountable, 
doing homework, practicing the tools outside of our session. Um, it's a little bit different coaching is than, than traditional therapy or psychotherapy. So they need to understand like, okay, there's going to be a little bit more involved. But the program is there to meet everyone's needs exactly where they are at, regardless of what it is that their starting point is. I will meet them where they are and, and get them to those goals that they're looking to achieve. And and when it comes to understanding that there is, you know, there's homework involved. I mean, it, it's like everything else when you're training for, you know, an Olympic uh, sport, you is, it's all about the practice, the training. Once they're done your program, for example, is there like um, maintenance and do you have follow-ups and is it something that they have to be practicing daily? Yeah, like I'm giving them all the tools. We're practicing it together so that I can give them feedback. And then after the program is done, everybody that's a member of Free to Be You Coaching has access to ongoing monthly coaching group sessions. So I hold group sessions once a month. And there's people that will come in that are just starting the program and they're in week one. And other people that have graduated the program a year, sometimes two years ago. They're still showing up to, to tune up, right? To keep themselves sharp and, and to connect with other like-minded people, which is really important, that community aspect. So let's go back to the empathetic person. Are we born with that empathetic, highly sensitive personality or is it something that we develop? Well, you know, as women, we have these times when we get older, we feel like we become more sensitive. That's a whole nother issue. Um, but I believe that we are born with this. I believe that it is a neurological um, issue that we have to adapt to. And, you know, Elaine Aaron, who coined the term highly sensitive person, she talks about that it's, it, it was a survival skill that people, um, and, and it's mainly women as well, Right. So a survival skill to tune in to the emotions of others, to feel safe, to be able to assess our environment. That was how we, we were adapting. Um, you know, uh, the highly sensitive person label too. you know, kind of has offshoots, like I mentioned earlier in the interview with with the autism spectrum and ADHD. So those things can be um, looked at as well for people if they're curious. And when it comes to the little, you know, younger kids who are highly sensitive and aren't understood by parents, what are your recommendations? Because although your programs are designed for, you know, you know, mature, more mature individuals, but as a parent who you now would suspect they have a highly sensitive child, how would you handle that? What would be your recommendations? Yeah, just having that sensitivity to your sensitive child, taking care to educate yourself about what their sensory needs are, right? So they may be really overwhelmed by bright lights and sun and need their shades on a cloudy day and there's nothing wrong with that. They might always need to have noise canceling headphones. Um, and that oversensitivity with their feelings, um, you know, not to diminish something that's happened to them, not to invalidate, oh, you don't have to feel that way or there's nothing for you to cry about, you're fine learning to hold space with your kids, just as you need to learn to hold space in all relationships. Mm -hmm. right. And so 
would would a person so let's say a, ch- a parent has a child who's highly sensitive is it likely that they one of the two parents is highly sensitive empath you know empathetic as yeah. well yeah most likely <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> that's what i was suspecting any last words or any last bit of advice you would offer somebody who's considering your programs where do they start? Are there different levels? Are there different types of groups? What is your recommendation? Yeah, you know, I do have a, a lifetime membership that's uh, still open for um, introductory offer for people. I find that access to mental health is scarce and I want to make it accessible, which is why I give people a lifetime membership at a low price, which is $50 Canadian, to access a whole learning library of information that is specifically honed for highly sensitive people and empathic people with uh, a monthly Q&A for everybody to come into when they're available. Um, Aside from that, it is a a process of applying to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Not everybody is ready for a coaching program right now. So the membership might be a starting point for them just to get their feet wet, see what's involved, become more familiar with what I talk about until they're ready to go into a more intensive program. Because it is, it's transformational. You really go through a a big like cracking of your shell and opening up. Um, Then not a lot of people are ready to do that just yet. But I just launched um, uh, an offer for, for men. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And a lot of men are underrepresented in that mental health care. So currently, I've been speaking to a lot of men that are looking at coming into the the program with me at Free to Be You Coaching. Um, They can go to any of my my socials and uh, find the application or, or even just sending me a message or an email to get some more details. And do you find that it's so fascinating because you're right, the word transformational speaks for itself. Do you find that when you're, you know, working with clients that the transformation is, and I just, just cause I want to be clear for listeners, um, the transformation is not difficult, but can be very, you know, eye-opening it can be like wow you know that was a painful experience or now I'm rid of that is it like cathartic where you kind of feel like you're getting rid of stuff and you've opened up to this new world this new you yeah a lot of people will talk about feeling lighter but within that feeling lighter first there is a lot of discomfort because that's where growth happens right growth they say doesn't happen in your comfort zone you got to get uncomfortable first And then you start to release, you start to purge, you start to clear some way for what you want to come in, more of that good stuff. Make space for that. I'm all about the good stuff and I'm all about transforming myself. And I feel like it's a journey we're all on. Um, So any help we can get, we greatly appreciate. Freya, it was so great speaking with you. If listeners, and I'm sure they all do by now, want to learn more about you, want to join some of your programs or get onto some of your webinars, how can they do that? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm empathic coach on TikTok, also empathic coach. You can even just search my name, Freya Mortensen. You'll see whole lots of stuff coming up for you. Um, and freyamortensen.net is my website and Freya at free two with the number two, Freya at free to be you coaching.com. You can send me an email as well. 
That's awesome. And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Michaela or my website, ClaudiaMichaela.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.